Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House today for worship. You know, so often we see the impossibility. There's no way. There's no way God can do this. There's no way I can see a solution here. And we, we magnify the problem even way bigger than it is. Today, in our readings, we get to see God as a solution. And the depth of love he has for all people and the way he provides so richly food for all people and taking care of all of our needs and leading us to trust him. Order of service is found in your worship folder or on screen. Let's look at our opening hymn at this time, number 612. Please stand. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sin. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give us all now strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. for our needs in miraculous ways. Help us to trust in your provision for us and for all to whom you send us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson we have for us before us this morning is from 2 Kings chapter 4. Problem, didn't see the solution, except God does, and through his prophet provided generously uh, through earthly means, through a few things that were right there in front of them. We read, a man came from Baal Shalashah, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men? His servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. For this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with Psalm 84, an interesting comment here, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Why would that be? Because God provides for his people. We sing the psalm.
second lesson for this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God provides through people. He did that in the first lesson by providing food through that individual. In this second lesson, he reminds and shows his church, this is how God advances the ministry as well. He takes and uses what he gives us to generously advance his kingdom and provide for others. We read, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. sermon is based on these words from John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for him 486.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today, the gospel from John 6. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. This past week, the Experimental Aircraft Association held their annual week-long event just across Lake Winnebago in the city of Oshkosh. Every year, over 600,000 people glide on in for that event. It's a big thing because that's 10 times the size of the city of Oshkosh. They have all kinds of different workshops and presentations, demonstrations and films on airplanes of all kinds. They use about 5,500 volunteers who put in over a quarter million of volunteer hours helping to put that whole thing together. Could you imagine being one of those volunteers and last weekend, the day before it was all to start, they told you, you get to be in charge of all the food. For all the people who are arriving, as they're going from one presentation to the next, as they go throughout their days, you get to take care of feeding them. Wow, that, that would raise a lot of different questions. What kind of food should be provided? How much should we charge? Where are we going to get it all? Who's going to help distribute it? Where should we position the different places where people can get the food? And most of all, how am I going to coordinate this with less than a day left to go? Jesus' disciples were presented with just about as overwhelming of a situation in our gospel lesson for today. Yet the Lord used that to teach them and to teach you and me too that Jesus provides the impossible. First for our faith, then for our neighbors, and also, yes, for us ourselves too. There was a big event going on around the time that this happened uh, in John chapter 6. John mentions that the Jewish Passover festival was near. So this meant that all kinds of people, all of the Jews, were going to be coming down to Jerusalem because this was one of their three festivals annually where they would come and worship the Lord in Jerusalem. There was a main highway running down from the north through Capernaum. And as those people traveling to the feast traveled through Capernaum, they would have heard about Jesus. And some of them recognized Jesus getting in the boat and going over to the other side of the lake. And those people ran ahead. They went over to the other side. They wanted to see this Jesus. They wanted to see more miracles and signs that Jesus performed. As Jesus saw this large crowd of people, he asked Philip, where shall we get food for all these people? Now Jesus wasn't asking Philip because Jesus himself didn't know. No, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus asked Philip in order to test him, to test Philip's faith. This question that Jesus asked Philip got Philip thinking about all kinds of different things. Got him focused that People need food. There's an awful lot of people there to hear Jesus' teaching and to see his miracles. And 
Jesus wanted Philip to be involved in taking care of that need for those people. The way Jesus asked the question, Jesus was trying to direct Philip's attention to where he could get the help he needed. Back to Jesus. Well, how did Philip and the other disciples do with that test? Well, Philip got out his abacus and started drawing up a business plan and started counting. And by his calculations, over a half years of wages would not be enough for everyone there to have a bite, let alone a whole meal. So that means even if Judas did have that much money in the silver bag, even if Judas had that much money, would this really be worth it? I don't think we can do this, Jesus. This just isn't going to happen. Yet there are still all kinds of people there who needed to be fed. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about how later in the day, as evening approached, the disciples went to Jesus and urged him, send these people home so they can get something to eat in the other cities. Yet that wasn't a very feasible plan either. This was a lot of people, and and many of the cities around there were small. In most cases, they would be fending for themselves anyways. And to dismiss those crowds would be dismissing Jesus' intention that the disciples be involved in helping those people eat, in bringing food to them. Mark's Gospel mentions that Jesus told the disciples, take inventory, see how much bread we've got. Andrew reported back now in John's Gospel that we've got a young boy here with five small loaves of barley bread and we've got uh, two small fish. But how far will that go among so many people? We can't do this. We don't have enough. The disciples were focusing on the money and on the materials and going to their own minds instead of looking to their master to solve the situation for them. The disciples failed the test. Yet you and I have failed that test too. Because week after week, Jesus poses questions to you and me just like he posed to Philip. Where are we going to get enough money to pay the bills this week? for groceries, and for clothes, and for the rent, and for the medical bills for your family. These are important for Jesus' disciples to be concerned about, providing for their families. Another question, where are we going to get enough money to help support those who are in need around us, whether they're family or other Christians or unbelievers around us, those who are in need? Jesus' disciples are to be concerned about the needy who are around them. Another question, where are we going to get enough to provide for the ministry, for our people, for our families, for our children? Jesus' disciples are to be concerned about that. Where are we going to get enough to carry out evangelism among the people around us and to be a part of supporting mission work around the world? Jesus' disciples are to be concerned about those things. Other questions too. Where am I going to get enough patience to deal with the illness that I'm going through? Where can we get enough energy to go through another week of parenting? Where am I going to get the hope and the perseverance to deal with the upheaval that's going on at my job right now? Where, where can we get the strength to deal with 
moving forward after the loss of a loved one? All these questions that we're confronted with week after week, and we failed Jesus' test. Sometimes it's because of our completely upside-down priorities, spending all kinds of money that we don't have on things that we don't need, and then we don't have anything left over for the things we should have taken care of first. Other times, it's because we got so overwhelmed with how expensive things were that we did little to nothing when we could have done plenty more. Still other times, we feel like we put this huge burden on ourselves and it breaks us and paralyzes us completely. But either way, our biggest problem is this, that we fail to notice the most important word of Jesus' question, we. Jesus doesn't leave us alone in anything. He is there by our side. Jesus is the owner of all things. He is the giver of every good gift. He supplies blessing after blessing for his people. And he is the author of any accomplishment or any achievement. When we forget that he's there with us and for us, when we fail to look to him as the source of every blessing, we show just how insufficient and helpless we are. As we continue on that path, what we deserve is emptiness for all eternity. Jesus provides the impossible. He did for his disciples what none of them thought that could ever happen. Jesus multiplied those loaves and that fish so that there were way more at the end than there were at the beginning. He provided food for thousands of people. Jesus takes what seems so insignificant to us and provides for everyone who needs Isn't that what Jesus did at the cross? What seemed so insignificant to so many people, the death of one person, Jesus multiplied to life for many, providing for life and salvation and forgiveness for the whole world, including you and me. All the problems and the situations that we're confronted with, it's not a funding matter, it's not a fish issue, it's not a food issue. It's a faith issue. Jesus calls you and me to look to him. He's the one who provides the impossible. Jesus drives away any doubts about his power and love for us. He rose from the dead. He did the impossible there to prove that he is our loving Lord and will never leave us hanging. Jesus chases away all doubts about his love and power for you and me when he took us individually, personally, and washed our sins away in our baptisms. Jesus removes all doubts about his love and power for you and me when he gives us his holy meal, his body and blood with the bread and wine for our forgiveness. He's forgiven all of our doubts, all of our misplaced focus, all the times we tried to solve the problem when he was the solution all along. Put your trust in Jesus. Rely on him as he provides the impossible for our faith, growing us and guiding us and molding us to trust him at all times. For our faith, but yes, also 
for our neighbor. When you plant a seed in the ground, that takes trust. Because you don't get to eat that seed, you don't get to use that seed for food, but you trust that it's going to be worth more later on. It's going to provide more for more people and for yourself too. When you plant a seed in the ground, it takes trust. That young boy who was there with the thousands of people, he trusted. He had those five small loaves of barley bread. He had those two fish. Likely was going to be his own meal. And you know how hungry young boys can be. Uh, as they go through their teenage years, the medical bills, multi- I'm sorry, the, the food bills, the grocery bills multiply more and more. Uh, they have a way of cleaning out a refrigerator and cleaning out a cupboard before you even know it's happened. Yet this young boy was willing to share this meal with his neighbor, with those around him. He placed that meal into the hands of Jesus, trusting that he didn't need it at that time, but Jesus would use it to bless so many other people. The same thing, really, with the disciples. As the disciples distributed the food to the other people there, think about if you had been one of the disciples that day. You saw those five small barley loaves and the two small fish, Jesus giving thanks for that. He, he gave some of that to each of the disciples. As you took it away to some of the other people, you'd be thinking to yourself, this is the last of it. I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I might as well grab some for myself because otherwise it's going to run out. But the disciples distributed to the people as much as they wanted. And every time the disciples came back to Jesus for more, there was more. Jesus generously provided for all those people through what the disciples and that boy gave to Jesus and brought to the people. Jesus provided for their neighbor. And it's the same for you and me. We don't have to cling tightly to everything that we have. We can give generously. We can put the needs of our neighbor first because we know Jesus has more and more for us. Jesus will never let us down. He will always provide abundantly for all of our needs. Jesus will see to it that we have enough to do everything that he calls us to do. He'll take care of us so that we can give to our neighbor in their need, filling their tummies, bringing the gospel to them, to burdened consciences, and bringing God's word to feed hungry souls all around us. Jesus provides the impossible for our neighbors, but also for us. I don't go out to eat very often, but couple few times a year maybe. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and the portion that they put before you is barely big enough that you could call it a meal. Then I've been to some Italian restaurants where I can count on taking leftovers home. They serve up a portion on a plate that is so big and so heaping that I can only put half of that away before I've got to say, I'll need a box, maybe two boxes to bring that back. That is some tasty generosity. Well, it's this kind of generosity, overflowing generosity that Jesus put on display on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus provided all that those people wanted and more. There weren't just little doggy bags left over. There were 12 baskets full of 
food left over. And he told the disciples, go around and gather them. Think about those disciples, the ones who doubted, those students who were slow to learn. They didn't deserve to be involved in that. They didn't deserve to gather those leftovers, yet Jesus provided for them too. He said, don't let anything be wasted. Jesus says the same to you and me too. Whether we have little or a lot, manage the resources that he gives to us faithfully. Don't waste things, use them. Give them to others if, if you have too much. See that things get used and not wasted. Yet Jesus is so generous to you and me too, isn't he? Here in our country, most people in our country have closets full of clothes, fridges and pantries full of food, more opportunities than they can count. There are more jobs out there right now than people willing to take them. We have hobbies and all kinds of uh, nice things in our houses. Jesus provides so generously for you and me. More than just the basics, he goes overboard. So many reasons for us to thank and praise him, to serve and obey him. Jesus provides the impossible for us ourselves, even though we didn't deserve it. This past week at EAA, all kinds of amazing displays. Multiple planes flying in formation. There were people parachuting out of those planes and making different designs as they glided down through the skies. Even night shows where you can see flames shooting out of the back of planes and pyrotechnics on the wingtips. All kinds of stunts that the planes perform too, whether it's barrel rolls or loops or even free falls and then starting the engine again. Those kinds of things impossible for many of us, probably most of us, but nothing is impossible for Jesus. There is no need that he can't bring us through, nothing he calls us to do that he won't take care of and provide for us with it. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Give generously of what he's given to you to provide for the needs of others and thank him ceaselessly for all of his generosity towards you, too. Jesus provides the impossible. Amen. Please stand. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. We continue this time by speaking the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This time the offerings will be brought forward.
Almighty Lord, according to your word, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. We praise you for the way you provide and care for people. You multiply food to go around so that garbage disposals and waste sites are filled with leftovers. Bless us by your word to trust you will nourish our bodies and give us our daily bread so that we may live and serve and proclaim your mercies. And on behalf of Tim and Brittany Bull, we join them in praising you for the gift of a healthy baby girl last week whom they named Briar Lynn. Bless Briar to grow strong in body and soul all her days by all that you provide. It's in your name we pray as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the hymn. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another and serve your Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you today. Welcome to guests and visitors. Love having you here. Please come worship the Lord with us again. A couple of announcements we have for you. There is Bible class coming up. Mr. C is teaching this morning, and there's child care available as well. We're working our way through 2 Corinthians and uh, in a neat section today. Uh, there is a change to the Mindful Moms schedule this week. You were going to head to the Osterman Farm, I believe, but instead you are going to Firehouse Park with splash pad, and that's in Sheboygan Falls. If you're interested in further information, you can talk to Alicia Cameron or Amanda Bodie about that. Um, then we have this month's edition of the Wells Connection. Why don't we cue that up, please? Hi, I'm Wells President Mark Schrader. What's a hymnal? A collection of the best hymns, old and new? A devotional book? A guide for worship? It's all of those things, of course, and much more. As our new hymnal becomes available this year, it's helpful to understand just why this book is so important. One important purpose of a hymnal is to pass Christian teachings on to the next generation. Music helps us remember and connect to the basic truths of Scripture. I think music is a way to praise God because you are still sharing His Word and you're still learning about His Word. The way that music uh, connects text to the head and to the heart in such a special, memorable way is invaluable. There's nothing like it. Composers write new hymns every year, 
And that's part of the reason for revising our Synod's hymnal, to give everyone the opportunity to benefit from these additional works. Most of the new songs in the upcoming hymnal come from historical sources, but some are very new, even from just the last three years. In all cases, the texts have been carefully reviewed to ensure a solid Christian biblical message at the core. Singing is not merely a nice tack-on to worship that happens on Sunday morning. Uh, that singing is a profound way that the, the truths of the gospel flow out of us and, and into the ears and hearts of those around us. The new hymnal also has a solid devotional core, so the book can be useful seven days a week at home, not just during the worship hour on Sundays. I maintain that the hymnal is the best devotional book next to the Holy Scriptures that a Lutheran can use. Our next generation of pastors is receiving extensive training in the new hymnal because the expanded resources will be especially helpful as pastors and music directors choose hymns and prepare for worshiping our Savior. Here we go. Hymnals tend to be in use for a long time. That's why it's important to ensure our hymnal is forward-looking, effectively passing down our faith in Jesus to the next generation. More than 15,000 hymns were considered. Years of review carefully considered every word, with a goal of creating a resource that even our youngest members will see as their own. Two, ready, and go. One is the I like singing because you're praising and worshiping God with your voice and talents. Then as they get older and their talents are developing and their interests are diversifying, they really have a foundational skill set of, hey, this is important, this is cool, and I can use this as a way to serve my God. This new hymnal, titled Christian Worship, is designed to be a useful addition to any Lutheran home with daily devotions, Bible readings, prayers, songs for singing at home, and even Luther's small catechism. Northwestern Publishing House will begin shipping hymnals to congregations early next month. At uh, Synod Convention this past week in Watertown, they presented the first complete hymnal. So I don't know what they were using there. My guess